Welcome to the ID10T podcast number 1091. Head on over to ID10T.com slash vintage. Um, we have started putting some uh, vintage iron-on transfers onto vintage members-only jackets to create a super vintage item. Uh, so we put some uh, some ET, uh, old ET iron-ons on some members-only jackets, and I think there's a Kenny Rogers one on there. It's been so much fun. So uh, go over to ID10T.com slash vintage and if you want, um, sign up for the email list to be notified of such things. So there you go. Um, let's talk about you, the ID10T community. Um, this one is for uh, a pal of mine, Leanna Vamp, who is an actor and a cosplayer and just a f- amazing curator of all things um, Halloween and goth and vampiric. And, uh, you know, listen, it's going to be a very uh, surreal Halloween this year. Certainly in Los Angeles County, uh, initially they had said, you know, no trick-or-treating. And then they walked it back a little bit, if I'm reading the news correctly. Obviously, you should verify this for yourself. But um, that uh, now they, they've walked it back and said, okay, we're just not recommending that you do trick-or-treating this year. Either way, uh, it's going to be weird. And so I don't, I don't know what it's like in your town, but you know, listen, it's our favorite holiday. It's Lydia and my favorite holiday and Leanna's favorite holiday and a lot of your favorite holidays. And so, um, Leanna has a podcast called let's get spooky. And she said, listen, I want to make it my mission to just sort of, you know, talk about Halloween and provide the Halloween spirit as much as possible for people who want to be immersed in it, who would otherwise maybe not necessarily be able to, um, just because, uh, you know, because of everything that's going on and the, and the lack of Halloween spirit, uh, in the air. So, um, it's let's get spooky.com. If you go there, you can, um, you can, uh, get the podcast is available on all the, all the platforms where you get podcasts and, uh, and there you go. So, you know, uh, we're going to get through this year. We're going to get through this, through it. So, uh, and think about how amazing Halloween will be next year. Oh my gosh. The trick-or-treating that will be had, the theme parks that will be attended, the Halloween parties we will get to to share and really appreciate. So there you go. Thank you to Leanna for doing that. Also, just as a side note, um, Leanna is a beekeeper, uh, and Lydia really wants to get into beekeeping because uh, uh, we love honey and, and we love bees. And so uh, that's just a little side note. I don't know if Leanna talk. Uh, she does post some beekeeping stuff from time to time on her Instagram feed, which is just uh, vamp, uh, V-A-M-P. So uh, there you go. Halloween and bees. Thank you, Leanna. Uh, and now let's talk about this episode. This episode is John Leguizamo, and it was a tremendous honor to have him on the podcast. I'm, I mean, John is an inspirational performer and content creator and has forged such an amazing path in the entertainment business um, going back to the 80s and early 90s and, and still does. I mean, I'm just such a fan of his work. He's a great stand-up and a sketch performer and a writer and and as an actor has been in some of the greatest movies in the history of film. And uh, again, just a really inspirational guy. You know, he saw the stark underrepresentation of Latinx performers in the entertainment business and and really sought to change that and continues to. He has it's directed a, a movie called Critical Thinking, which uh, Lydia and I watched and loved. Um, it's uh, basically about uh, a chess club at a, at a high school in Miami with the group of uh, underprivileged and marginalized teenagers who uh, take the chess world by storm and, and, and enter this national chess competition. It is a true story. It's a beautiful story. And John is in it and he directed it. And the performances in this film are phenomenal. These young actors are fantastic. And listen, even if you're not a chess fan, which I am, I, I played chess in you know most of the way through school. Even if you're not a chess player, it's a moving and inspirational story. Critical Thinking is available now on VOD. So definitely watch that. Also, um, John's last one-man show, which he did here in Los Angeles live at the Amundsen, I believe, uh, late last year, is on Netflix now, Latin History for Morons. So uh, you can watch that as well. And this conversation with John is just such a – it was so wonderful, and I so enjoyed it. And I really hope he comes back on again on the podcast at some point. Um, You know, whether you're just a fan of his or whether you are also a content creator, John's story will inspire you to just embrace, be who you are – 
uh, and start from there and create your work and art from there. Thanks again to John. Uh, if you are listening to this, John, this was an absolute pleasure and certainly a, a podcast highlight for me. So uh, please come on again sometime. All right, here you go. The ID10T podcast number 1091 with John Leguizamo. Initiating ID10T protocol. see you man i i i'm i was actually a, a, like weirdly a little nervous because uh and i don't really get nervous about these much anymore because i've been doing it for so long but you're <laughs> y- you've been in so like you do so many things that it's almost intimidating and inspiring at the same time because in the way now that i think performers have realized like well you kind of have to be the generator of your own content you're not it's it's not maybe not enough to just be an actor or just be this right be that you've always been that it seems like since like you you kind of you, you were sort of the prototype for sort of what I, the- I had no choice i was a latin man in hollywood yeah and you know they didn't want me and and i and so their rejection of me helped me reject them and so i i created my own opportunities you know and, and i wasn't going to be forged by what they wanted i wanted to forge myself as to what i wanted what right. challenged me because they were just not seeing they don't see you they, uh, they still don't see me they still don't know that i'm here they still don't know my culture i mean it's crazy we Latin people are living in a psychosocial erasure mm-hmm. we're the largest ethnic group in america we contribute $1.3 trillion to the U.S. economy every year. If we were our own country, we'd be the 10th largest country in the world. We're bigger than England. Our women are number one in, in small business creations at 87%. We saved the housing market last year at 68%. We're the largest voting bloc in America at 32 million registered voters. But less than 3% of the faces in front of the camera? Less than 2% of the, of the crew behind the camera, less than 1% of the stories, less than 0% of the executives. That, I'm living in a cultural apartheid. In New York City, my city, Latin people, Latinx are equal to whites at 35% and 35%. How come, where are, are the stories on Latin people in the New York Times, Daily News, New York Magazine? Where, the, where are the editors? Where are the writers on staff? I'm living in a cultural apartheid. It's it's insane, but that that's what it's like being Latinx in America. And also one of the themes of the movie, which by the way, is amazing. Um, I watched the movie last night, um, Critical Thinking, and it's a it's a gorgeous story. It's stunning. Um, and as someone who was in chess club for many years, uh, are you a chess club guy? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> like all of those, like and and I have to say, this. What's is, your what's your rank? What's your ranking? Do you ever did you get did you were you ranked? Um, I think when I, by the time that I stopped, which was around high school, um, I don't know, I was probably 17, 1800, like in the 1700s. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay, that's, that, that, that's formidable. It, it, but, you know, like, good, not great. Um, you know, like, I, I won some local junior high chess championships, but I, but I do have to say, and this is such a picky thing to say, but the uh the authenticity of the way that they were hitting the clocks and the way that they were taking like it it looked like oh yeah these these guys play chess this is this like all of the mechanics of that are how you you know like the stomping of the pieces in in the in the otherwise quiet room (laughs) you know (laughs) such a mindfuck I mean, it's so great you're saying that because I took great pains to be as precise as I could be. You know, uh, it's, a, it's a $3 million movie that normally in Hollywood costs $20 million. I had 20 days where you need, you know, 60 days. So, I, I, you know, I was, I, was get, I was working against the elements in a, in a way. And so I told my actors, I said, I need a week of, of, of your time before you shoot, which is unheard of in independent films. Mm-hmm. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm going to require 12 hours a day rehearsal. And I'm going to need you to rehearse on the shooting days after you're exhausted. 
You're going to hate me, but you're going to be proud of the movie. And you're going to be <laughs> proud of your work. So I got the consultants, the real guys that play, who are now in their 40s, yeah. to be at every rehearsal, to call us when we look fake, to make us look authentic. And I wanted the exact moves. Like, you know, that last championship in the movie? Yeah, 60 yeah. moves? Those are the exact moves that Marcel Martinez and Acopian played. And I had the guys memorize that. That is fantastic. I mean, it brought back, you know, Chess Club was, uh, and, and, and Martinez is kind of explaining, it, this isn't giving too much away, but, but people should stick around for the end credits because you see the, you see the actual Right, the real the guys. Yeah, team yeah. today. And, you know, he's just talking about, you know, how great it is uh, for critical thinking and what chess. And when I look back at my time at chess, I, it's hard for me to play anymore because it was so intense. Those chess tournaments wow. were so intense that I almost feel like, did it condition me to, am I an overthinker now because of fucking chess? Because I was conditioned to look, you know, 20 moves <laughs> ahead and think of every possibility. Like, did that kind of fuck me up in a weird way? That's interesting. That's interesting to to then be an overthinker, to overthink things. Yeah. I don't, I don't know, man. I don't know. I I think always hedging your bets is the smarter way to go in no, life. Impulsivity is great. Like maybe in tennis, maybe maybe in acting in front of the camera, but not not when you're behind the camera. You want to you want to be yeah, but ten moves ahead of everything. But you also don't want to become paralyzed with the anxiety of yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Um, and, you know, because your background is in comedy and stand-up and sketch and improvisational comedy, I mean, you probably, I, I, did, did, you, did you find that those skill sets transferred over as a director? Like, what, what did you, what type of director did you think you would be? And then what did you think you learned about yourself while you were going through this process? You know, it's interesting. I, I, I directed an HBO movie and I'd done a lot of commercials because I wanted to be oh, someday okay. prepared for this moment. Yeah. This is my independent film debut. Yeah. Uh, but I wasn't really sure. I mean, I know obviously acting is my thing. You know, I've studied with the greats, Herbert Berghoff, Lee Strasberg, Wynn Handman, David Neuer. So I know acting. I know yeah. how to break down a scene. I've been writing my whole life. Uh, but directing, being behind the camera, am I visual enough? Do, do, I, ha do I have enough uh, uh, of an eye? You know, um, that's what I was questioning myself. And I wasn't sure about that part. And then when I got to the set, I, I started to realize, oh, wow, man. My being in a hundred movies with the best directors, Baz Luhrmann, uh, uh, Ava DuVernay, Spike Lee, De Palma, uh, Tony Scott, really Scott, all of them. Really, I, I learned so, I didn't realize I had this catalog of information. So I knew a lot of techniques to solve a lot of issues. And I also knew the, the effects of certain, uh, you know, having more than one camera on the set. I knew if I had three cameras, sometimes I could capture crazy improv and I can push the guys to extra improv because I'm going to get fresh uh, performances that cut well together. Yeah. You know, uh, I learned from Baz and, and, and to, to rehearse because it, it, it creates a better performance. I learned from De Palma to storyboard your ass off because then shit looks hot and it looks <laughs> sexy, you know? <laughs> Yeah, and, and and I realized I had all this info. Plus, I really did. Eventually, eventually, I guess after all these years, I do have an eye for camera move for camera movement. Yeah, I mean, it's it 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 seems like it would be impossible, especially with the way that I imagine that your brain works. That you would not have absorbed all of that stuff over the years because you you know, as someone who's created so many one man shows, you you understand storytelling and it's like at the, at the very basic molecular level, you know, as I'm, I'm a storytelling who, animal. Oh yes. yeah. That that's, and those are the people that I gravitate to in life as well. My, all my best friends are all great storytellers. All my heroes are great storytellers, whether it, whether it be in books, novels, screenwriting, movie making, that's, that's the people that I want to be surrounded by. Yeah. And so your job as a, as a, as a director storyteller, it, you, b besides being the fact that it's not just you directing yourself where you kind of have control over how all the story plays out, like how do you sort of, how do you, how do you see those muscles working to keep the, to, to keep the story coherent, to keep everyone on the same page? Like what parts about that where you're sort of, you know, 
the, the, the story master, like, how was that for you? Yeah, no, it's interesting because you, you, as, as the director of the film, I'm in charge of everything, everything, right. you know what I mean? Uh, whether I, I run out of days or run out of daylight or run out of extras, it's, it's you, you got to take it as your fault, as, as, your, as your problem. Right. And I did. I, I, didn't, I didn't pass any culpability to anybody because at the end of the day, if I didn't get that shot the way I wanted it, I was, it was going to hurt me in the editing room. And, and I didn't want to have to, you know, I wanted to make sure. So, so yeah, you know, I, I'm in charge of the story and I want to make sure Martinez was as realistic as he, as it was. And, how, and, and, and I wanted to, to show how he imparted that wisdom to the kids. Cause I didn't understand how that happened. I wanted to see that. And, and I said, kept asking, what did you do? Well, I had all these, you know, little flyers and they would do all these mimeographs. And they, I go, what, what, did, what else did you do? Well, we would go over this. And then I finally, you know, hours and weeks, I found out it was this magnetic board thing that he would go over all the moves and have them participate so that they had to break it down and memorize it and test it and quiz it. And, and that's what I think really helped me show his love of the kids yeah you know what i mean because that's really love his 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 sort of like passion and patience to let them learn and to impart that wisdom that 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 was the beauty of that of this man mary martinez and why i fell in love with him when i met him in florida yeah i mean he's that teacher that you want all teachers to be he's the guy oh, yeah. he's the guy that can that it doesn't like it doesn't end for him when the bell rings you know, he hangs out with these kids. He's straight with them. You know, he holds up a history book and says, if you don't see yourself in this book, that's the problem. And you need to know that, that your history is valid and you need to seek it out. You know, I mean, he, he, he knows how to, um, I don't know, he knows how to communicate on a level that shows that he cares. Yeah, oh yeah. Uh, you know? And he doesn't take himself seriously either. No. That's, a, that's a beautiful thing about Mario and the guys. They're always ribbing each other, man. And and Mario takes it. You know, they're always making fun of the guy and putting him down. <laughs> but they love him. They love him. And they know they they got to where they were because of him. I mean, they, they all had exceptional talents. I mean, you can't teach that. You know what I mean? These guys were all really gifted. He gave them the book knowledge and the strategies from books. That's what he was able to impart. Yeah. But also, it's figuring out. And, and that's why chess is so interesting because it... Well, there are a lot of reasons why it's interesting, but mainly you can do all the study. You can do, you can learn it as academically as possible. You can learn the craft of it, the craft, but it's the art. The art of chess is really tough. It's the, it's the being able to take that and improvise. And uh, because it, you know, every match is different and right. Right. And it, there is, it's a lot of pressure. Like when you're sitting across the board from some other kid and you know, there's a story. There, there is a there's a storyline about taking draws in, which I think is really interesting because right. a chess player that is sort of a like. Well, it's not a win, but it's not a loss. And I took a I offered a draw to win a tournament once. Like I sat down at the board and I saw that I had enough points and all I needed was a draw. Right. And I just before it started, I said, "Do you want a draw?" And the other kid had a lower rating than I did, so he said, "Sure." And I won the tournament, and and I felt fine with that, you know. But other people. <laughs> It's like, no, draw is, a, a win is a no, win. No, it's a loss, a loss, because I didn't crush you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It depends on the type of guy you are. Somebody who likes to crush people, or somebody <laughs> who, who, who's okay, just w winning is, is enough, <laughs> just, you know? And then, we, and one of the guys did have that, that issue. In, in, in his a real life issue. He does not like to draw. He likes to crush people, you know? <laughs> Do you play? Uh, you know, I'm an amateur dilettante. I've always played. I used to go to Washington Square Park, you know, where all oh, the yeah. best players would be. And you have to throw in some cash. They don't let you play unless you throw in some cash. And they'd always take my money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'd yeah, always yeah. make more and come back, you know, but they'd always take it again. <laughs> I mean, that's a, that's a master class and just amazing chess to just sit down and play, to play like that, you know, like it's. Oh, because it's, 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 they're so quick. I mean, also, there's no time. I mean, their, their moves are so, they've been doing it for so many years and so quickly. It's like, pap, 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 yeah. all day long. Yeah. They crush you like so quickly. It's like you, you just sat down and you've got to get up and leave. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're taunting you. And then in less than a minute, it's over. And you're like, well, yeah, yeah. all right, then. It's, it's <laughs> you like losing right. your virginity. <laughs> it's over before you even started. Before you even started. What happened? <laughs> oh, yeah. You just, you lost. Oh, yeah. yeah. 
I hope it gets um, better from here on. I have to say, the performances are spectacular. I mean, like, this collection of young performers, to me, feels like, oh, in 20 years, you're going to see all these guys are going to have, like, numerous nominations for shit in their careers. Oh, they're uh, amazing, man. I, I, like, I, I, I agree. They're just so, their work is so beautiful, man. And each one brought such a different element and... I, I I just felt so lucky to be around them and, and, and enjoyed every minute of it, you know, watching what they did. And, and, you know, I, I, I came in there, you know, cause you know, I've been studying acting my whole life. I still do. And I come in there and shape things, you know, or, or, or tweak it or try to, you know, you know, cause it's a big acting exercise that I always love, which is like do the opposite of what's written just, just for fuck's sake. Yeah. And, you know, we would do that sometimes. And all of a sudden, you know, you see a whole other more exciting choice than the obvious choice. And that's just to get you thinking outside the. Yep. Yep. To get take to because we don't really we don't really know what the magic is, you know, so it's always better to to give me give me a lot of choices in the editing room instead of giving me the same take over and over. I'm getting obviously very technical about acting. No, no, no. It's great. But I can't. I love it because it. to uh, a, a person who's an actor and then a director, especially who has as much experience as you have, like you, you have the best of both worlds because you've worked in a million different things. You've written your own stuff. You've worked with all these great directors. And it, and this just feels like the culmination of everything that you have absorbed, <laughs> you know, in the yeah. past 35 years. Uh, yeah, it comes to fruition right there on critical thinking. Exactly. All the, acting studying all my criterion uh movies that, that you know the the b-side the you know listening to the stories uh, of all the great directors you know uh sitting with barry levinson sitting with de palma you know just just watching these masters at work is was always my favorite place was to sit right near them you know and just watch them do their thing i was always just mesmerized by them i never thought i would be a director but I was just mesmerized by by how they they ran things and having to deal with story, having to deal with production issues, you know, because there's so much stuff that's just technical problems, logistics problems, like you know, uh, having that last scene where I have 200 extras, mm-hmm. you know, and I have a low budget, I, I have to be done in a couple of hours because they all are cashed out and they got to leave. It just stresses so me out to hearing out, about it. <laughs> right, so I got to figure out how to shoot the extras first. So it looks like the room is crowded <laughs> and then, and then let them go. And then I can't shoot there again, even if I want to. And there were many times I'm like, yeah. Oh man, I can't shoot towards the doors. Cause all my extras are gone. gone. I just have to make it up some other way. I really hope that, I really hope that you continue directing more because the performances and it's clear that all these guys are fucking phenomenal actors but I think it's also their relationship to you where you were able to draw that out at the same time. And because to me, you know, there's the craft and the craft is putting in the hours and, and, and doing all the work and all the technical yeah. stuff, but the art is making the craft disappear. And these guys. <laughs> it's so well said, man. It's so oh, well said. It's thank exactly you. it. But these guys, and I mean this is the highest compliment, they don't seem like they're acting. Like they oh, just no, yeah. seem like... Yeah. These people that have come together and the performance. You know, and, and, and also the, the magic is, you know, they made me better too because the kids, these kids were so brilliant, man. And, and, and whenever I raised the bar, they raised it and I had to meet it. And it was beautiful, man. It was like, oh, man. It's like, it's like working with like, like, like uh, with a Michael Jordan, you know, I mean, you, you can, you know, uh, Jackson, Phil Jackson can coach him, but yo, I mean, that talent is a gift to have as, as one of your players, you know, and that's, that's, I felt like a Phil Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. how I felt. And then I had Zach Zamboni, my director of photography who worked with Anthony Bourdain through his whole Anthony's career. And I picked him because I knew he could do documentary style stuff at right. the same time he'd give you those beauty shots when they travel across the world so i knew he could give it all to me and he did man and and you know he and i had sat down for many hours trying to break it down how, how, how do we let them be but still get me all my meticulous shots that i need to to teach about chess to, to show chess as a sport because chess is a mental game and can yeah. be incredibly boring to see two guys like 
<laughs> and you can put as much sweat or go like this. But, you know, 10 times of that, we're done. So I had to make it feel like, you know, get down to the pieces. So we feel like it was a football game or a boxing match. You know what I mean? So the pieces had to become players as well to make it visual, to bring right. out the internal externally. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you got to show just enough chess to let people know it's chess. But if you show too much chess, it's like, now I'm watching chess. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, I said, but you know, the funny thing is I, I, I knew intuitively this, I didn't know till after the fact, but I kind of knew it subconsciously was if I was bold enough to show Martinez teaching them chess, like go through long moves mm-hmm. and long, you know, like maybe, 10, 15, 20 moves or so, maybe more than that. Uh, I, one of them was 30, but I think I had to cut it back because it was too much for the audience. But I think at the end of the game, at the end of the movie, people actually thought when they were watching the 60 moves of the championship that they knew what was going on. And, and I, and, and I asked everybody, and they swear they know what's going on, but I know they don't. Cause if you, if you don't play that kind of chess, you can never, you don't know, you don't know what's going on. Well, yeah, but, but, think you do. but I think you set that up really well because when he's explaining that one game where the guy does all the unpredictable moves and then and, and Philidor, the Philidor, the, the yes. great Philidor, yeah it's a, it's he's he he's explaining the game through story he's not just saying and then you know e2 e4 e75 right 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 he's right. explaining it through a story and reading it in a way that makes it very compelling because it's like oh you know, if you were a chess player, you know, what is going on in this game is fucking crazy, you know? And so he's explaining it that way. And so it's, as he's explaining it to the kids and making it engaging to high school kids, the audience is engaged in it because yeah, yeah, yeah. they're engaged yeah, yeah. in it. Yeah. And, and, the, and the actors were, and we as the actors were engaged in it as well. Like we were, we were getting off on each other trying to figure out what was next even though they were written already you still it's bizarre but sometimes you fool yourself into it's feeling it for like for the first time yeah and that's what was happening um i would love to find out because you know you said look i made my own stuff because i was rejected by hollywood uh because of this horrible disparity and so i was reading about you and i saw you were in tish in like 1984 you dropped out to pursue stand-up is that true yeah, yeah, I, I dropped out. I was I couldn't afford it. I mean, I had transferred from CW Post, and they wanted me to go, and my, they, they disqualified a lot of my credits, and they wanted me to go an extra year, and I like there was no way. I mean, I was already, I had loans up the kazoo. I couldn't take another year. I mean, I would yeah. have never came out of out of debt. So I just left. I got, I did a student film. I won a Spielberg Award, which was like an Oscar to me, and uh, I got an agent. I got a Miami Vice. I played a villain because I'm Latin right. and, uh, and that, that was being in my career. So can you talk a little bit about what the stand-up scene is like in New York in 1984? Because to me, you're in the middle of the eighties, which is the smack dab sweet spot of the comedy boom that lasted from like 76 to 92. And New York is a fucking hotbed of comedy yeah. activity at that point. Everywhere. All, everybody was a stand-up comedian, but the thing was, I didn't want to be a stand-up comedian. I that's that was not my thing, but I was going to all the open mic nights and the and the lotteries. Every Monday I'd be there with a hundred comedians at the comic strip, catch a rising star, uh Rodney Dangerfield's club, every club I I'd be I was there, you know, and I'd see Chris Rock and I'd see Adam Sandler and I'd see all those cats. And, you know, I just didn't like I don't like the setup joke, setup joke routine. It just wasn't for me. And then for luckily for me the performance art um, uh, milieu was booming as well. Downtown in LES, all the kitchen, um, home, uh, 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 Gusto House, uh, Knitting Factory, La Cucaracha. Oh, yeah. But you, there, I could be a storyteller. And there I would tell my long-winded stories, like the Bible as told by Latin people, the West if it was won by Latin people. And it'd be like half-hour things with, you know, like, 20 or 30 characters and 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 that's where I found myself and found my love of storytelling and and found who I was sorry about that no, that's okay you know I often t- I love to talk on the podcast about like finding who you are like discovering who you are and you and you seem to walk into that at a pretty young age um and so what was it that made you go look you know uh 
there, there, there are just not opportunities available for people like me. There are not opportunities available for Latin actors. So what made you go, I'm going to create these things. I'm going to, I'm going to express these and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to forge this the way that I think it should. Because right. especially as young as you were, you, you could, you know, like a lot, maybe other people would have gone, ah, I don't know. It just feels like a lot of work. There's just, it's never going to, but mm. you didn't accept that. You you created you created an industry around yourself. So what was that about you? And how did you kind of find who you were? Well, you know, it it it. it if I look back, I mean, it's interesting because, uh, you, being a Latin person, you live in a in a, in a, in a in a dual world, right? So, we're absent you know, in school textbooks, we're absent in superhero comic books, movies, television, networks, newspapers. But in the real world where I live, we're abundant. We're Mm -hmm. everywhere and we're running things and we're heroes and, and we're intellects and we're solving problems and they're my family, and they're my friends, and it's everybody in New York City. We're, we're the largest ethnic group in New York City. So I was seeing that, and then I was seeing this other reality where we didn't exist, which was, what is that? So that gave me the courage. I knew where I came from. I knew what my people could, could contribute. I, I then was going to college at NYU, and I'm going, wait a minute. All, the, all my white actor friends from college, we're in the same college, studying with the same acting teachers. They're going to five auditions a day. I'm going to one every five months. And yeah. I go, oh, wow, wait a minute. I, I'm educated as they are. I've studied acting as much as they are. Why are my opportunities so much less? What is going on here? And then I start to realize, oh, my God, it's just, that's, that's going to be my life. <laughs> in, 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 uh, in Hollywood, it's just not going to be the same. And so I started gravitating towards writing and creating my own stuff because I knew my people are out here and they're funny and we're cracking each other up and all my friends are Latin and, and, and we're having a great time. I just have to put that somewhere where they can see it. <laughs> and so it wasn't in movies cause I've been pitching for 30 years and they never get my stories, never get the dramas, the histories, the historical figures. I'm, they just don't see me. They don't care. But like, like let's say, let's take Hamilton. If the biggest hit in hit Broadway history, if Lynn would have pitched that to a, a Hollywood or to a streamer, to a network, it would have never got done. Because they would have said to him, excuse me, wait a minute. Uh, Hamilton is going to be played by a Puerto Rican and Burr is going to be black. Well, let me tell you something, son. They didn't speak and rap in the 1700s. It would have never got done. Never. And, and when I found theater, I found that there were no gatekeepers. You know, there was, I just had to write a great script, raise the money and rent the barn. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's how Lynn and I made it to Broadway. That's where I found my freedom was in theater because that's the place that allowed me to be. And then Latin people found me and then all of a sudden, oh, wow, now we got this, this marriage of an audience and somebody who looks like them and, and they're not going to let go. And I'm not going to let go. I mean, you can tell, it's one of the beautiful things about, Theater and, you know, I, I think the Tony Awards are generally the best award show. And the reason that I love the Tony Awards so much is because you watch the other awards, like the Oscars, everyone's really tense. <laughs> Everybody's yeah, so would, tight. Yeah, everyone's so tight. It's super serious. You know, and you watch the Tony Awards and you feel like this is a community. Like this is a yeah, yeah. community who is happy to be there, happy for each other. Um, you know, it's... They got, they got real gifts. They got real talents that they can show that they can give and in hollywood everybody's more like uh feels like feels like they're they're imposters a little bit you know i mean they feel like maybe they were created by the editing maybe by the store you know what i mean there's a lot there's a little bit of that going on in hollywood where some people legitimately are there only because of their appearance (laughs) you know what i mean yeah not not because of their ability and theater feels like an area it feels like an area where they say whoever you are you're welcome here you're welcome oh yeah no you, you gotta have ta- no you gotta have talent it's not well, you have to have talent <laughs> you better bring something because nobody's bringing you to the party if you this ain't this, this ain't potluck <laughs> well this so was the first was was mumble mouth the first 
show that you put up on Broadway? Like, wh- how did you get from 1984? I think your first special was around 1991. 1990, yeah, yeah. Mamba Mouth on HBO, yeah. So, so for that six years, you know, when you discovered the theatrical community, how did you come across that? And then what, what, what are the connective pieces behind, you know, I'm going to rent a theater space, you know, I'll be off Broadway or whatever. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll show up, I'll put it up. You know, like, did you go to Edinburgh? Like, what, what, what were the steps that kind of got oh, you? Oh, a lot of steps, I mean, a, a million steps. So, you know, I'm, I'm writing my own little 20 minute, 30 minute pieces in the performance art spaces. I'm doing the comedy clubs. I'm doing the improv clubs. You know, I, I had a sketch comedy team with a girlfriend of mine at the, to- at the time and we performed everywhere, you know. So I, I was doing a lot of that and, and continued to do more student films. And uh, eventually, you know, uh, I got to win Hammonds. And, and I had seen, luckily, I was in New York and I got to see Eric Bogosian. Mm-hmm. I got to see Spalding Gray. I got to see Whoopi Goldberg. I got to see Lily Tomlin. And I said, that's what I want to do, man. That's what I want to do. And so I created my own hybrid of it. You know, I created my own hybrid of, of everything they was doing. I added costumes to it. I added my autobiographical story to a play format where I acted all the characters out, which nobody was doing. So I added my own spin to, to their, to their gifts. And, and, and I started doing it at Wynn Hammond's theater. He just passed of COVID. Uh, uh, he was a national treasure, a great acting teacher. And, and he loved what I was doing in his class. And I would do my characters in his class and I'd do them downtown in the performance art spaces and people were flipping out. And um, eventually I had enough characters and he put me up, but he didn't put me up in the theater. He put me in the hallway of the theater because, you know, <laughs> because I'm Latin. So, it, you know, so I had to be done before the main stage show I, at eight. I went on at 630 and they, they get a platform and 70 fold up seats. And then the, 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 the Frank Rich review came out and boom, all of a sudden Sam Shepard's in the house. Arthur Miller, Holy Al Pacino. Shit. JFK Jr., uh, you know, Raul Julia. And, 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 it, and it was like, you know, it blew my mind. It was like, oh, my God, I, I, so I found something. I've, I've, I've hit the main line on something. Yeah, but it, it's, it's, I always find it interesting because I think part of the artist's journey is you're always looking outward, 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 you know, like what types of things should I be commenting on or responding to or this or you know like who am i in this other kind of box these available boxes that are out there and then i feel like the part of the journey is the more that you go inward and be the truest version of yourself like that's when the magic happens and a yeah. lot of people it takes them a long time because they think ah you know it's just me that's not interesting other things right right it's like no 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 you're the fucking thing you're the thing and it just, it blows my mind that you figured that out at such a young age. Cause I feel like that's something that takes people a really long time to figure out. But, but I didn't totally figure it out though, to, 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 to your point, I didn't totally figure out because I, I, I was being people in my neighborhood in the first show. And then the second show I was moving close. I, I, it was my family fictionalized. Yeah. And then by the third show, I was really me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That by the third show, I, I, I had the confidence to, to tell my story because I felt my story was interesting, not because it was my story, but because my story represented so many people like me that their story wasn't being told that if they got to see themselves, I felt like you would, they would feel validated. You know, it, it became more less about me. It wasn't about me. It was about all these people, all these souls that, that, that I've met through my whole life that were just not represented. It was just, you know, and, and you could feel the energy in the theater when the Latin people came in in droves because the energy was electric, like the the stomping and 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 the hmm and the call and response and the crying and the laughing. It was, it was, it's it's been a powerful experience. Even with Latin history with morons, I mean, the the amount of emotion that that seeing themselves reflected back means to them is so huge i'm excited i was excited because you know that was in town and i didn't get to see it when it was in la but i just found out it's on netflix and i'm really excited oh yeah to yeah see yeah that. You, 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 you're gonna be impressed it's, it's a pretty powerful piece it took me a long time to develop it to get the right ratio of 
history versus personal story because I wanted a lot more history, but the audience only has a certain amount of, uh, you know, uh, Ram space. <laughs> I'm just laughing because that's totally something I would say like, Oh yeah, they just have enough. Ra- and I know exactly what that means. Yeah, You know, exactly. We, we all know. I mean, they have, they have the limits. And I was at, like, at, a, at a certain Damn. point, the little pinwheel just starts spinning in front of people's face. They're like, you're out of memory. Ah, shit. All right. All right. I better, better throw Diminishing returns, it, it starts to happen. And you, you start to feel the audience, oh, they're not as with me as they were before. But even understanding that relationship to the audience, and it is a relationship. When you're, when you're a stage performer, you do form a relationship with the audience. But I always wonder because your, your style is such a hybrid, and this is some like comedy nerd shit, but I just want to know. It's such a hybrid of, of stand-up and sketch characters. I've always loved stand-up because I feel like I can immediately pivot if I need to, you know, it can right, be right, right, improvisational. Right. But when you're doing, you know, characters, do you find like I'm free to improvise within these characters or do you feel like, well, once I'm kind of locked in, I'm kind of locked in like a sketch. Like how free do you feel on stage? Like, once, once like you know, there, there's a lot of improv like in the beginning. Yeah. Like on stage and especially when I'm reading it because I do, I, I read it for a long time to keep my freedom. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I could keep exploring, so I could keep ad-libbing, you know, and if I get the inspiration of the audience yells something, you know, I, I keep that as alive as long as I can, you know, right. because once I'm off book, then it gets a little trickier because I am telling a story from beginning till, to end and I can get lost. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can lose my place and never come back. <laughs> so, so it gets trickier to improvise when it's like a two hour show that I'm carrying, yeah. you know, I can still, I, 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 the, as the run gets longer, I can improvise a little bit more because I, I'll know it so meticulously. Yeah. But there's a point there where I do have a tiny bit of fear that I'm going to just lose my place and, and never come back. Yeah. And, and again, it's, it's harder to, you can improvise a little bit, but if you're in a character, it's like, you still have to get back you know, right, right. Get back to where you're supposed to land. It's like, how the fuck do I get back here? You know? And then sometimes when I ad lib, it, it doesn't go off as, as powerful as, as, as the written line. Right. Like it'll come out a little more uh, subtle and then yeah. the audience won't laugh. And I'll go, Oh, that was a funny joke. Why didn't it? Because it didn't have the same delivery. It didn't have the same sort of purposeful uh, written line that the way the written line had like a, like a, like an arrow, it just went, whoosh. And it's so funny. That's so funny to hear you say that because you you know that um, you have that deep understanding that you kind of have to you have to be comfortable with the joke first, right? You, right. You, and if you're not, it's like even on a subtle subconscious <laughs> level, the audience can they tell, feel like, the fear. They feel the fear. Yeah, he wasn't yeah, really yeah. in on that one. I, yeah, I, no, I, no. He's, he's our leader right now, so I can't yeah. really be in on it if he doesn't buy it. Especially because when I'm doing the show, I'm like 300% committed to everything. Yeah. And then if it comes out just 100% or 90, they yeah. feel it. They feel it's just a little less and they're not impressed. Are you, are you pretty comfortable like once you complete the run of a show of like putting it to bed? Or do you still like, do you replay stuff from old specials and gone, oh, I could add that. I could have added that. Like, are you pretty good at just like letting it go? No, no, it stays with me for, for months and months. Uh, I'll be like, God, now that's what that moment was. Oh, man, if I would have added that, that would have made, you know, even even the, the Netflix special. Um, when I went on tour after across the country, 24 cities, and I got more courage since after I left Broadway. I was like, wait a minute. I, I'm going to add more history. I, I'm going to push the limits. And I started pushing the limits. And I'm telling you, the audience was even more riveted. And, and uh, Netflix is doing something they've never done before. They're letting me reshoot. And I, and I re- did already. I recorded the, uh, the new uh, ad libs and everything and the new history. And they're letting me recut it into the Latin history of Warrens. I haven't done it yet, but I'm hoping to do it by the end of the year. Oh, that's fantastic. That's really fantastic. I mean, it, you know, comedy is great when it's funny and it's even, it's, but what elevates comedy is when it's really about something, you know? when it's really about oh, you hope. yeah yeah and and i think that's 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 what you ex- that's what you excel at and I, and i really do hope that you understand that anyway my perception of who you are in this business of like holy shit john leguizamo is fucking amazing like it it's just the breadth 
of things that you have done. And it's even funny, I watch an old video, this must have been like seven years old, where you made a video, I think, for like a, a 20 year screening of Super Mario Brothers. And you were like, <laughs> well, I guess it's it's cool that people are still talking about this movie. <laughs> it's just like those moments are like, you never, never, never know like what, what people are going to talk I, about. I know. I mean, Super Mario Brothers, you know, it was, it was the first video game movie. You know, I'm working with Bob Hoskins and Dennis Hopper. I mean, easy rider, you know, yeah, of big, course. big legends. Huge. In this dumb movie. <laughs> and, and then yet people, kids who were eight years old when it came out became part of their childhood. Yeah. So who am I to denigrate their childhood? You know, I mean, uh, so I started to to turn around and go, you know what? I need I need to respect this movie, even though it's not going to be in the Criterion Collection. <laughs> it means something to somebody. But yeah, some some. <laughs> it's not like you can say to an eight year old kid, "Why aren't you watching Carlito's Way? What the fuck?" You know? Yeah, yeah. Come on, man. Brian De Palma's by, a good. What? Come on, man. Joan of Arc by Carl Dreyer or or Apu <laughs> by Sajid Ray. Come on, elevate yourself, son. But that, but that's that's the sort of part of the you know the sort of beautiful tapestry that creates a real um, a real landscape you know of your career that you've been able to do all these different types of things. I mean, do you do you see it that way? It, to me, it still feels like God. I I just I haven't been able to do enough. I still need to do a million more <laughs> things. Like, do you do you have any sense of satisfaction over the things that you've done? Oh yeah, no, definitely. I, okay, I, good. I'm very proud of myself for having taking such courageous uh choices making such courageous choices like spawn to wong fu just done things that i felt would challenge me right and and i and i and, and i did that instead of going the easy route the comfortable route and uh yeah but but i still got hunger man all of a sudden now that i've been doing all this research for latin history for morons i found so many incredible stories historical stories of, of things that Latin people have done, you know, uh, it's kind of difficult to speak about, but, you know, Latin people, it, between 1830 and 1930, 6,000 Latin people were lynched, burned alive and shot in the Southwest, in Arizona, Nevada, Texas, uh, New Mexico, Nevada, you know, as they were trying to take away our lands and ranches and homes. And then in 1930, with the Repatriation Act, they deported 500,000 land people that are American citizens to take away their rights, to take their voting, to take away their homes. So there's these, all these stories that I want to bring to, to, to the screen, to, to the books, to, to newspapers. These are the stories that of the making of America because we're the only ethnic group that's fought in every single war America has ever fought. We were the most decorated minority in every single war. Galvez, an American Revolutionary War, had an army of 3,000 Puerto Ricans, Cubans, Mexican-Americans, freed slaves, and, and, and they kicked the British out of the South so they couldn't trap the New England Patriots. And I'm not talking about the team. I'm talking right, about right. the Minutemen in right. New England and saved, you know, uh, let America be America. And these are the stories that, I, that I'm dying, burning to tell. I mean, I can see it in your eyes, too, because it's so, it's, it's so wonderful to see that after this career that you've had, which, by the way, if you were like, ah, I don't know, I've done everything. I think I'm just going to kick back and not do anything. But I don't think anyone would be like, John, you didn't do enough. But the idea that you now, at this point, you know, in your career, have been so invigorated with a purpose, like a really important cultural purpose, like the the the, the fuel of that artistic fire. Um, it must. I mean, to me, I wonder. Do you feel like it's just you're trying to kind of hold it in because it's trying to just <laughs> teaming out and all? Yeah, the yeah, it's incredible. Million things. Yeah, you know, I, I was worried that I would get to this point in my life and I'd be jaded or or, or sated. And 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 to find this new purpose is so invigorating, man. I mean, I definitely walk every day with a little extra pep in my step and, and with more purpose. Cause I know there's so much stuff that needs to get out there and, and, and I can do it and I can help be the avatar and then be the avatar for other people to, to get to that place. And I feel like with Latin history for morons, I definitely feel, I see the conversations changing. I feel the movement within the Latin community. I feel like they're using terms that were in the play, you know, and, and that's really exciting to me. You know, when, when, I, when I'm talking about cultural apartheid, I'm starting to hear that. I'm starting to hear all the things, all the numbers, all the data that I, that I collected. I'm seeing it in, in all kinds of articles across the country. 
So if I can keep doing this everywhere, I mean, I, I think it'll be a huge movement. And it's, and it's beautiful for kids who grew up like me, not seeing themselves, to see themselves. I mean, it'll, it, it'll, change, it'll change so many lives and give them so, it creates so many opportunities. And do you have like a, like a, and forgive me for not knowing this, but do you have like a production house that where you're, you're identifying young Latin performers and, and, and trying to expand and basically produce uh, other people's stories as well? Well, you know, a lot of stories come to me. So, you know, I, that's, that's how it comes to me. You know, like people send scripts to my, to my agent and, and stories and, and, and they're coming to me, you know, and I'm helping them, you know, generate them, fix them, improve them. And, and uh, and I really feel like studios and publishers and networks and steamers are starting to understand that there is a disparity and that they need to do something. Yeah. And I think this is a real uh, reckoning for America. And I, and I, and I'm and I'm glad that a lot of people are rising to the occasion and going, look, I, I got to look at my my team here. I got to look at all my CEOs. Oh, wait a minute. There's no Latin person, no black person, no person of color. We need to change that. You know, yeah. who, who's who's in my staff? Oh, wait a minute. No, no. Latin uh, children's books, Latin children's books, uh, Latin children are the last, least seen in children's books. And we're 30% of the public schools in, in the nation. Jesus. You know, what does that do to a child's self-esteem? Never to see their face right. reflected back in a, in, a, in a book, talking about their culture, talking about them. So I'm hoping to change that as well. You know, we, we can be a change. And, and, and I really believe that. And it's, it's incredible, but it does happen in America still in america yeah things can be better and you can't fix them and i mean you must feel like there's just not enough time <laughs> i have so much to do there's you know like time but in this well yeah this, time is, is is our enemy isn't it <laughs> there's nothing you can do about that and just because we've been in quarantine for so well i mean i call it it's like a now it's like a soft quarantine obviously we're not you know like people can go out of where they live but have you have you had a, a lot of extra time? Are you writing during this time? Or I imagine you've actually probably been pretty busy lately to get this movie out. Uh, but have you had time to do anything else? Write other stories, write books, look at other shows? Oh, yeah, because, you know, I, I usually am so busy. And, and I was supposed to be doing The, the, the Power, this new, this new Amazon series that's pretty amazing, uh, which is uh, uh, it was a, a big book that was written two years ago about uh, it's a sci-fi piece where teenage w- girls, when they reach puberty, they get this electric power and they begin running the world and they, and they make men submissive. And <laughs> it's an incredible, it's amazing. Uh, oh, but amazing. it got postponed for COVID. So I was oh, supposed yeah, to go course. back to shooting in November, but it's not a definite date, but I've had time. And, and I got to say, being in quarantine is like writer's boot camp. I've been writing my ass off. I love hearing so, that. I've been writing like crazy, like, you know, books, children's stories, uh, comic books, musicals. I've been writing like, like a maniac. And so what do you, you know, if, if you were to give a masterclass and people were to say, you know, God, I, 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 I don't know who I am. I don't know what I want to say. I, I know, I feel like I have a fire that is, that wants to come out, but I just don't know what it is. Like, is, is the, is the goal just like, look, just sit down and write every day, whatever it is. Don't even think about it. Just start getting everything out. Is that reasonable advice or do you have other advice for people? Well, well, there's different ways to approach writing. Definitely sitting down and writing what makes, what turns you on. I mean, that's really it. I mean, whether it's a joke, whether it's information, whether it's storytelling, whatever it is that turns you on, write that that's the only spark that exists and and then you know there's two ways of storytelling too i mean there are people who have incredible lives and incredible imaginations so that guides their writing and there are other people who don't have incredible lives but they have incredible technique that also is dope you know yeah. what i mean how you tell a story is as good as the story t- told as well so there, there are different paths to, to writing and and you got to write every day and, and i'd say you know write every day whenever however you know i'm writing all day long you know whenever something it it turns me on boom i go put in my phone put it on a piece of paper and eventually you turn into something you look at look at the end of the year look at what you've written and i bet you you'll be able to turn into a story oh yeah you could probably forget most of it you know it's like oh yeah no matter how good of an idea you think you have you go i don't need to write that i don't remember it and 10 minutes later what the fuck was i just thinking about you know 
gone. Yeah, no, amnesia. Just that that post I had a great idea, amnesia is is the most painful thing ever. I should have wrote that. I knew it. You know, like when you were like with your friends and you come up with a great line and then you're like, shit, I got so I run, I run to the bathroom and write it down. Yeah, that's smart. That's really smart because they never, it doesn't matter how much you try to retrace your mental steps. I was thinking about coffee and then that guy came <laughs> in. God damn it. I fuck it. It's just like, it's, it's just like gone. a weird fucked up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then when it comes back, like maybe a month later, it's never as, it's not the no. right line anymore. The moment's but then gone. When you, a year later, when you look at all your writing, you got some great shit. You got some great wisdom. You got some great uh, characters, some great, uh, uh, plot lines and you just weave it all together and boom, you got this new conflated story. Not only that though, but I think it's also like a nice roadmap of who you are. Being able to see yourself from a little bit of a, a distant perspective. I mean, you you must have, after every show that you put up, you must have looked, have you, did, well, I'm, I shouldn't say this, did you look back and go, oh my God, I thought this was about this, but look at all these other things that I've discovered about myself. You know, sometimes I think we express things that we don't even realize we're expressing. Did you retrospectively, retroactively look back and go, holy shit, I, there's this whole thread. I didn't even realize I was trying to get out there, but there it is. Um, it, 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 not, not so much because, you know, the, 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 the pieces are so self-aware in a lot of ways. Got I didn't have a, self, a self-awareness to write it about myself. Right. So. But but I got to tell you, though, you, you do start a play or, or a lot of things thinking it's going to be one thing. And then you got to get out of the way and let it write itself. And it tells you what it wants to be. And that's yeah. that's a fascinating place where you have to, like, let go. And, and the piece writes itself. And sometimes it writes things that you don't want to write. But you have to go with it because that's where it wants to go. Yeah. Do you think discomfort is important for art? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. You can't. If you want to be comfortable, you can't do art. Do 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 something else, or or, or go make commercial garbage. But but if you want to do art, it's always going to be dangerous to you and to everyone around you. Yeah, and in that in that sense, is it sort of helping you process it? Does it feel therapeutic to you at the same time? Oh yeah, absolutely, I, absolutely. I mean, my 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 whole art artistic life is about therapy and 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 taking hold of the traumas that that made me, you know, that, that came to me in my life. You know, I had, I had a pretty tough childhood at home and, and, and in the streets, there, there was always a, a lot of violence in, uh, in my world. And, uh, so that the, the comedy was my, my only escape and my only hope. And, and it's always fueled me and saved me. But even do you, do you, do you look at the way things are now? It's like, Oh my God, everyone basically has a television studio in their pocket. You know, when you started out, and even when I started out, it was like, if you wanted to do something, you either had to figure out how to put it up on Broadway or wait until someone picked you, you know, basically. And now it feels like, oh, yeah, if you have a thought or an idea or anything, you could just, oh, now it's just out there, just out there in the world. Do you, when you look back, do you think that forging the way that you did, do you look back and go, you know what? I was in the setup I was in before and that helped me become the artist that I became. Or do you go, God, it'd be so great to just start now where it's like, I could just put yeah. stuff up immediately. Yeah, it's so interesting because it, it, it's, it's a twofold, it's a, it's a, a double-edged sword because, because of the lack of opportunity for me, it, it, it refined my abilities. I had to refine my abilities to a place that, that could not be rejected. Yeah. If I, if I, but then, but then if I would have had the access, I would have to, to social media, I would have been blowed up so big you know i would have had so much uh, i've been so prolific instead of like you know trying to make everything a masterpiece so that it so it couldn't be rejected by anybody oh my god that's really interesting that's that's an interesting way to phrase that so that like so in your mind you you think this has to be do you ever do you, do you feel like you're a perfectionist oh yeah and has that but in ever, a good way but in a good way I in mean, a good way it, Sometimes it does work against me. I, I, there was there was there was times when when it was detrimental to me, but I, I think I've softened up myself a little bit more. But back then there were times where if it wasn't perfect, I was I would lose my mind and and it, and it, you know in self destructive that way. Yeah, that 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 part is not good. Yeah, but I think the older you get, and the more stuff you do, you're like ah, you know, not every moment is 
a live or die moment. You know what I mean? It's like you gotta <laughs> thank you God really for have that so much energy to pick your battles for. I think so. That's one of the great things about getting old. You do learn to like, you know. I didn't win that battle, but I'll win the war. Right. The next battle. The next battle. Yeah. Yeah. That's where a little wisdom comes in. Yeah, yeah. But you still got to make your stuff excellent. I mean, it's still about excellence. I mean, there's still uh, you're still trying to achieve things that that are that are that are written incredibly beautiful that have meaning meaning and impact or and still you know I still love to write funny stuff as well. Yeah. How do you? Uh, how, oh, by the way. I'm jealous of the, you have a joke and freak that I'm so fucking jealous of in a healthy way, not in a, not in a toxic way, <laughs> but it's the joke about, you know, uh, the first time you're, I think it's in freak. The first time you're masturbating, you're like, Oh, it was like a gun. I was just cleaning it and it went off. Like, God damn it. Oh, that's a fucking great joke. God, that's such a great joke. Yeah. It was so, you know, I started that whole jizz comedy. Freak was the first jizz comedy before something about Mary, before American Pie. That I was, I was the guy who started that nonsense. You need to be careful. Like, with my imaginary brag, jizz. You know, if you brag about that too much someday, you don't want on your epitaph to be John Leguizamo. He started that jizz comedy. Like, <laughs> he did a lot of other great stuff. At the end, of, that's the end of his jizz. <laughs> Do you have? Um, first of all, this has been so wonderful talking to you i really can't oh, tell you how much talking I... too, man i love the depth of your thinking i mean because you can't usually you can't usually really talk to people uh, about certain depths and certain specificity without their, them having previous knowledge i mean you got to have that knowledge yeah but i just i so admire you and your journey and all the things you've done and and i and like i said i do think it's a prototype for the sort of uh the the, the modern day performer of like you know you 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 do a lot of things because i think conventional wisdom like our parents generation would always say like just do one thing and just you know focus on that one thing mm. and it's like but you can't like it's and especially if you have a lot to say there's so many different ways to express that and that to me is such an important part of your legacy besides just a performer but just like just all of it and now you're adding this kind of dimension to it of, of cultural purpose as well and so it just feels like you know, like that's a model, that's a model career. And, uh, you know, I know fun, that it's fun. It's interesting. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and it's interesting you're saying that because yeah, you're right. There was a time where, where everybody was so compartmentalized, you know, like if you did TV, you weren't allowed to do movies. I mean, yeah, they wouldn't pick you for movies because you were a TV actor. If you did a commercial, remember all those, all those yeah. days back in the day. Yeah. And, 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 and people who did theater, wanted to be in film, but they never picked them and vice and film people never couldn't do theater because nobody respected them. Uh, it's such a different world. I mean, we can do it all. That's it's a, it's a modern world. It's fascinating. This new digital age because you can do it all. And we, and there's no reason why we can't, you know what I mean? We, we can all go into different areas and, and, and dip our toes. It's, it's a pretty great, great time to be alive. And do you have some, do you have some parting words for people who, like I said, either haven't figured out their thing or want to break in and either just don't feel connected or they're, you know, or they're marginalized, like groups who are marginalized? Like, what is, what was sort of the fire that kept you going? Like, what torch could you pass on? If you were mentoring someone, what would you say to them? I would say, you know, write whatever turns you on, film whatever turns you on, just do it for yourself. I mean, that's, that's kind of like the way that gave me my power and my energy was that I wrote for myself only. The only audience member I write for is me. If this make me laugh, does it move me? Does it touch me? Does it electrify me? Does it elevate me? I think that's what I give to every artist. I, I'd say write for you. Don't try to write to please other people or some imaginary teacher or imaginary mentor or your parents. Write for you what turns you on. Yeah. Create for you. And, and if nobody sees it, it doesn't matter as long as you executed it. And I yeah. think that, that, that's it. That's fantastic. I, I really appreciate this. I, people should definitely see Critical Thinking. Is it, so what is the release schedule of Critical Thinking? Because everything's just so weird at the moment with how things are getting released. So what, is, what are all the release details for Critical Thinking? Oh, it comes out tomorrow, September 4th, Friday, on video on demand or virtual video, whatever they call it. Yeah. Uh, everywhere except Netflix. It's in uh, uh, Apple TV, iTunes, Amazon, Voodoo, it's on all the stuff. It's on all those things. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
yeah, it's a great story, and you you really did a fantastic job. And I and I hope. Oh, thank you, brother. And and now I'm really interested to see like what other story, like where you go from here, you know, with this kind of like brimming with this purpose and the, the, these ideas, and what's next? Do you even know? Do you have a specific idea what's next? If it's not this Amazon series, The Power, like, do you are you already planning the next show after Latin History? Oh yeah, I mean, I'm writing my next show. My next show is definitely about being an old man and all <laughs> that that comes with that, or doesn't. Uh, but we're yeah, not old like our parents' generation. We're not old. I'm going to hold on to that. Like right, you can hold on to that, but I'm old. I don't care what you say. <laughs> I mean, we're old. We're we're young for our old age. Let's put it that way. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll, I'll accept that. I think that's good enough. Yeah. But uh, I appreciate it, man. If there's ever anything, you know, please come back on anytime. Anytime. Thank you. What a pleasure, man. Great talking to you. Much love. Thanks, John. Take care. Peace out. Bye bye. Bye. The end. ID 10T scanning complete. Enjoy your burrito.